When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So, good to see y'all. Um, Daniel called me last night, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Secretly, I've always wanted to do a pinch hit sermon, so <laughs> this is like a bucket list. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm excited to preach. I think uh, if we don't got good news to tell, this is a more daunting task. This is not like business presentation. Uh, to share good news. Um, and so I sat down last night and I was just praying, thinking, okay, God, what should I say? feels like I should, you know, where should I go? I initially tried to go to Daniel 8 or 9 or wherever we're at, and uh, I quickly backtracked from that. Uh, I'll leave that one for Ross. And so we're going we're gonna to jump around a little bit um, here. And so, um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think there was just something heavy on my heart. I just figured we'd have to spend some time. So, when I, was, when I was younger, I got saved right around when I was 16. I was in high school, and um, my brother-in-law was sharing the gospel with me over, over a long period of time, and there's this one moment in which it just slammed into reality that Jesus, the living God, loved me personally and forgives me of my sins. And that was incredible. I mean, it really just changed my life. I, I went to Bethlehem College and Seminary because I was like, I, got, I want more of him. I want people to know him. Um, we've been involved in churches. We've really tried to build our life around this. And uh, it didn't take me too long. Okay, So this is 16-year-old Dale. And it didn't take me too long to all of a sudden think, um, I have these moments of like, what if, what if I'm still a mess? By the way, so Jesus forgives me. And a couple years later, I, I found myself sitting down thinking, Man, I still just have such a wicked heart. Like I, I thought I, I thought I'd get better, you know, right? Or, and and I really had to ask that question of, God, what if I, what if I still lust? Like, am I okay? You know, like what happens then? I, like I understand Jesus, you loved me and saved unbelieving Dale. You took unbelieving Dale and you put him in the category of believing Dale and you washed me clean. I, like, I understand that transaction, but what if it keeps happening? What if I still struggle? What if, what if I still want people's opinion to be highly of me? What if I'm still greedy? What if I'm still uh, scared to evangelize? Like, there, there came this really crisis moment in my faith where it was kind of, God, yeah, what if I'm still a mess? Will you be done with me? And um, I, I, I would assume, I think a lot, a lot of people have that struggle. I think that's a, a common thing. And that was my burden for tonight. It's just, if you're here today, if you're here today and you feel like you have done something or you have just consistently walked away from God in such a way that you just think he's passed you over, like, hey, I, you know, he loved me at one point, but then I blew it. And he's just done with me. Uh, I think there's a better story there. 
think there's, there's redemption for you. So I don't know where you're at, but if you're in that category, my hope is, my heart is that this is for you. If you're not in that category, if you're like, I've never had a bad day, uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'd like to meet you. Um, but I would say it's coming. Okay? So there's, there's a good amount of we're promised suffering, we're promised hardship, and we are told we're sinful and we have fickle hearts. And so um, we pursue holiness and we grow in holiness, but there's still struggling days in the Christian life. So as I ask the question, okay, what if I'm still a mess? Um, the, the, one of the things, I was about 18, and one of the things that really jumped out at me was uh, the fact that as I read the Bible, I realized there's lots of stories about people that are not God. Okay, And that may sound obvious because we've all read the Bible probably, but if you think about it, you go, this, this book is about God. This book's about Jesus. It, Jesus is the hope for the world. And you're like, why not just fill the pages with stories about Jesus? And um, I remember having this moment where it, it kind of hit me that the, the, the side stories of the average people in the Bible are really important. Like God sovereignly places all of these stories of just ordinary, average Joe to tell us something. And I don't think I'd ever realized it you know, up until that point. And so tonight... If my question is, God, what if I'm not getting better? What if I'm not growing? What if I'm still veering off? What if, what if I thought I was going to be here and I'm way over here? I want, to, I want to answer that question by looking at one specific person and a couple narratives. So we're going to, look, we're going to zoom in on Peter. Um, and if you're familiar with your Bible, you might think, makes sense. Uh, but the, again, I, I'm going here because it, it was such a grace to my soul in those moments. So, uh, if you're unfamiliar, if you've never opened your, if you've never been in church or read your Bible, Peter is kind of a grand, amazing apostle. Okay, so he's, when Jesus starts his ministry, he finds Peter fishing. He calls him and says, "Hey, leave your boat, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men." This kind of big entrance into into Jesus gathering his disciples. And he, G, uh, Peter lives with Jesus for. Three years, basically, every single day. They travel around the whole region together. They spend kind of every waking minute together. So put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's watching God, as a man, walk through the world and live and interact for three straight years. It, it's remarkable. He, Peter would have been there when Jesus done, has done miracles, when he's raising people from the dead, when he's giving people sight, when he's cleansing leprosy, right? Peter's there for these moments. He's in that crew. We're also told that Peter, Peter, James, and John are kind of the inner circle of the disciples, okay? So the New Testament talks a lot about the 12 disciples, but there's three, Peter, James, and John, who kind of are especially close to Jesus. They're kind of the inner ring, okay? And Peter's one of those. He, he's, he's one of Jesus' closest friends when he's on earth. And so after you fast forward, Peter writes some books. At Pentecost, he stands up and preaches. The Spirit falls on the disciples. Peter stands up and preaches. And 5,000 people are saved, repent and believe. Okay, so Peter's had a pretty grand uh, story, a really grand story. But it's not always sunshine. So if you, if you have your Bible, uh, you can open up to Mark 14. I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 27. I'll set the stage for a second. At this point in the gospel, it's right at the end of Jesus' ministry. So, uh, 
Jesus has, has traveled around. He's, told, he's kind of foretold a few times, hey, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to come back to life. Nobody really gets it that well. But at this point in time, he enters Jerusalem, and we have, we're just leaving the Last Supper. Okay, so the Last Supper is Jesus getting his disciples together. It's what we celebrate communion for. It's this very same day we're picking it up. Okay? At this dinner, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Starting in verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I won't. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, even tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Then Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So Jesus is at this dinner. He's about to die. He's, this is that week. This is that day. Um, and he looks at his disciples and says, hey, you're all going to fall away. It's just like a cheery dinner speech. Um, and as he gives this, Peter declares, right away, Peter jumps up. If you're familiar with the New Testament, Peter's always this guy to jump up and say something grand. And he goes, I don't know about these other 11, but I'm not leaving you, Jesus. I'm not that guy. I'm sticking by you. And this is the crazy part. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, I'm not saying you're just going to abandon me. I'm saying tonight you're gone. Tonight's the night you're going to walk away from me. And Peter again right, insists emphatically, you'll never disown me. And this, this, is, this is point number one when I think about the story here. I've had these moments like Peter. I don't know, maybe you have too. Where you were so committed to faithfulness. You're like, I'm, I'm going to stay the path. I am going to follow you. I won't. And some of it might be, I'm not going to go back to that. I'm done with that. I won't ever fall into that again. God, I promise this is the last time. Right? You, you rise in your flesh and you say, God, I, I am going to make sure that I am not one of them. And so when I read this, when, when I read this, I see Peter in his, in his flesh, in his confidence, in his spirit, wanting to Desiring to follow the Lord, right? And Jesus says, even with that kind of uh, passion, tonight's the night you're going to abandon me. I want to fast forward here. I want to go to Luke, Luke 22. Let me get all the gospels here. I'm skipping over. So they have this conversation. Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and they, they're praying together, and eventually Judas comes in and arrests, they, they arrest Jesus, okay? So this is, again, the same night. And then we see right here, this is what happens in Luke 22, verse 54. Then, seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl sat, saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another said, Certainly this guy was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So, be, so Jesus gets arrested this night, right? They seize him, they take him off. And if you're in the scene, you're picture, I'm picturing Peter kind of sneaking behind, right? At a distance, he's, he's kind of following on what's going to happen to my friend here. What's going on? They take him into the Sanhedrin, into the, into the court where the Jewish leaders are going to decide the fate of Jesus. And it says that Peter is kind of in the courtyard. So, so Jesus is kind of up by the leaders, and he's kind of off in the courtyard. There's a fire there, and he kind of gets around to get warm, but he's, he's listening in, right? You can see the, the, the scene here. And it says, this is crazy, a servant girl saw him seated there and came up and said, hey, don't you know him? Aren't you one of those, one of his people? And in a moment, in a moment, Peter, the man who walked on water by the strength of the Lord, the man who followed Jesus minute by minute, in a moment, a servant girl walks up, a little girl walks up and says, hey, aren't you one of Jesus's? And Peter collapses. Right? He collapses. He denies it. He says, no, I have nothing to do with it. And this ministers to me. I said, why are these stories in the Bible? Why? Why in the minutes before Jesus is getting, like, in, in this high-charged moment where Jesus is about to get crucified, why are we spending time watching Peter in the courtyard? Why isn't this passage about what Jesus is talking about with the Sanhedrin? Like, that's weird. But there's, there's gospel here. That's why. There's gospel here. In this moment, in this moment, we're, we see the fact that Peter is powerless. Right? We see this moment where even though Peter had all this grace, he, he gives up. He, he falls away. And I, this is what's so good to me. Like I said, when I was, you know, 20 or whatever, um, I needed to read this. I still need to read this. I still go here a lot. I still go here a lot. When I feel like, I don't just, you told me to go right, and at some point I went left, and I am miles away from where, where I want to be, where I think you wanted me to be. And I feel like I've, you, you had this plan for me to follow you, and I just, I just scrapped it all. When I get to that moment, now I look at Peter and I go, gosh, I'm not that far off course from people who are not named Jesus, right? This very much, I think this is a picture into, the, into what it looks like to be a broken, sinful person following a perfect, holy God. You, you need to know tonight, you need to know tonight, that no matter where you are at, that's cliche, but it's true, how you feel right now does not nullify God's plan for you. There's hope there. The servant girl comes, asks him, and even this, I feel like the fact that it's a servant girl and not some big guard, like they, they kind of like I feel like the Lord's drilling this in a little bit and going, it's it wasn't like a big army came surrounded Peter and said, abandon him or die, you know. It's, it's a little girl. Didn't take much, right? After this, um, the rooster crows. And this verse, I, I never, um, 
This was a couple years ago I saw this. Luke 22, verse 61. We see from the other Gospels that as Jesus is getting tried here, he's, they, they spit on him and they mock him. And they're beating him up. They're punching him with their fists, right? That's how Mark describes it. It's a bloody event. And they're trying to find a way to put him to death. Okay? So this is what Peter's watching. Peter's in that court. He's watching Jesus just get beaten up, getting mocked, spit on. And then it says, after he denies him, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. What a crazy verse to put in this book. This is what's... I, I read that the first time. I was like, whoa! Unbelievable. This, and this is, why I, this, this is why it's powerful to me. If I was Peter, Jesus comes back to life, he comes back to you, I would pretend like I never denied him. Probably. Like, he, he was quite busy up there with the Sanhedrin. He, no way did he hear me talking to the little girl. You know? He could have been just in the corner. Right here. If you feel like God doesn't know the struggle that you're in, the despair you're in, the sin you're practicing, all these things, this, the kind of failure, I read this, and I feel like Jesus wants Peter to know that he knows the denial. And I can only imagine what Peter felt like when he, he denies him, he denies him, Jesus up there bloody, and he looks up and Jesus locks eyes with him. And in that moment, what happens? Peter went outside and wept bitterly. He was like completely undone. Like any of us would be, right? This is, a, this is a very vivid moment. A very, very vivid moment. And um, at this point in time, at this point in time in Peter's life, I would assume, I would assume that he probably thinks God's done with him. Right? So Peter has a history of kind of being a um, a screw-up, right? I mentioned the walking on water. That, that was about two steps until he was drowning. Yeah. And um, even Jesus writes, they say, I'm going to die. And Peter rebukes Jesus for God's sovereign, perfect plan. And then Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Right? There's all of these times in which even, we skip this, but in Gethsemane, when they're praying right before Jesus gets arrested, Jesus goes to Peter, James, and John and just says, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm about to die. Pray for me. And it says oh, three times they fall asleep. They fall asleep. And Jesus comes back and says, what, what are you doing? I need prayer. Stay up with me. Just an hour. The question is, can you stay up just an hour and pray with me? Right. Peter falls asleep again. So there's been plenty of moments in which Peter has tested the grace of God. It's not like perfect up until this moment and all of a sudden it gets rocked. But here, I mean, you just think about um, I don't have a huge category for just outright denial of Jesus repeatedly and still being in the plan. That's, that's not like a super developed thing. But here, he goes outside and he bitterly. And I, and I think, I, this, this is more conjecture, but I think um, Peter's, Peter probably in that moment thinks every part of his life, the hope he had in Jesus, the morals, the beliefs, all of this stuff in a moment vanished. And all of a sudden, he's, he's just... From the moment, the man he was hours before that at that dinner table to here, he's just been completely unraveled. And this, I, I just feel like, I feel like I've been here. This doesn't seem foreign. Um, maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. I don't, I don't feel like this is that foreign. There's, there's times where, again, Peter, I'll never leave you, Lord, hours later. I don't know, man. That's in, in God's 
that's in a broken world. That's in the way we are. And so the question is, and this, this, is, this is where I want to land, this is where I want to really drill a little bit. Um, how does God respond here? Because I feel like this is pivotal. I'm like, I, I, if I'm sitting here, I'm on the edge of my seat going, I got to know how he's going to answer here, how he's going to go at him. Because if I'm like Peter here, I'm hoping it's good news. I need good news. My soul is desperate for good news here. Turn to uh, John 21. What Pete read. This is after, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and he goes and finds the disciples. And they're, they're uh, eating on the beach. And that's what it says, John 21 Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. He said again, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Man, this, this, um, when I pay attention to the story, when you pay attention to what has happened, the, the moments before Jesus, or the, the hours before Jesus dies, and what Peter did, and when they made eye contact, and all of the all of the things I bet Peter was feeling, all the doubts, all the shame, all of the, the mess that he's carrying around for these days. And this moment comes, and I just want to stand up and scream, thank you, Lord. There's, I'm going to point out three things in this. The first one being, very simple. Jesus went and found Peter. If I'm Jesus, I get out of the tomb and I say, I'm done with him. I'm going to find somebody that's not going to leave me in my darkest hour. Right? Jesus comes out of the tomb and he goes, hey, I need to find Peter. I got something to tell him. I mean, that, that alone, to me, is unbelievable good news. So, so when I hear that, I think, man, I'm not, God's not just, uh, I'm not out of his mind. Like, I'm not, I'm not in the past for God. Peter was no longer, he didn't become the past to God's actions, to his plan. God still had a purpose. He was going to find Peter and he was going to redeem him. That's, that's point number one, that Jesus went searching for Peter despite his denials. The second thing is, um, he, he does this three times, right? Which um, is obviously redundant. So, I was thinking, I'm thinking, chewing, why? Why do the exact same thing over and over again? And um, I'm sure there are more reasons than this, but um, when I read it, the, the, this feels incredibly specific to Peter. He doesn't do this with the rest of them. He does it to Peter. He looks Peter in the eye and says, do you love me? And he solidifies this. And the, the three times, I believe, is calling back to the three denials. So why would Jesus call back to the three denials? Right? 
Why, why, have, why there wasn't one denial and one redemption? What, what, there's, there's, connect, there's meaning here, right? Um, and as I thought about it, as I think about it, uh, I love the fact, this feels incredibly specific to me. It feels incredibly personal to me. It's, Jesus did not go to all the disciples and say, hey, I'll forgive you all broadly. Okay? Even today, Jesus doesn't look, you, look at the group and say, I'll forgive you broadly. He looks at every single one of you, every single, like me. He knows you, and he knows your specific sin and denial and unbelief, the way he knew Peter's. And he gives specific, personal grace to Peter. Peter, it's not going to be enough for me to just tell you you're forgiven. Right? Sometimes words are hollow in, the, in that phrase. I'm, I'm going to drill this in a little bit. I'm going to let this simmer. I'm going to let this sink in. I'm going to see your three denials and wipe them off the board. One by one. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that amazing? I think about that with the Lord. Um, this is why we don't have, there's no one like Jesus. Because again, I'm not doing this to the guy that walks out of me when I'm getting beaten up. Because I'm dying. And so, the, the, the point with the, the three times, and, and I believe this strongly, you need to know that God knows your specific struggle. The things, the, the heaviness you walked in here with, He knows. He's aware of it. And He wants the cross and the grace of Jesus Christ to cross it out, to wipe it out, to, to get, grab the eraser on the whiteboard and smear it completely to nothing. For you, grace is meant to hit your ground, your day-to-day -day life. And, I, and I'm so, so grateful for that. The last thing I wanted to point out in this passage was um, Jesus uses this phrase, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, right? Um, The, this is a really, 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 really cool thing. Because I, I can see here where Jesus could, could go find him, could go forgive him, and say, hey, I know you were riding shotgun, but you're, you know, just hop on the bus now. You're just one of them. Go in the back seat. I think there's a seat in the back. You know? So you, you're with us, but you don't get the same kind of future, the same kind of plan. Like you've been kind of mixed for that. From the 18, right? You, you can you can roll JV, but I can see that. That, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to sinful Dale. Uh, what I don't see is Jesus walking right back, and in the same conversation of forgiveness, he goes, "And I'm not done with you. I really am not done with you." And so he reinstates him here. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. Uh, it, it, take care of my people. Take care of my church. I'm going to use you to build this church. I'm not done with you. And I don't know about you, but for me, I need to hear that a lot. I need to hear that a lot from the Lord. I need to hear, I forgive you and I'm not done with you. So, I, I pray that that, um, that truth cuts where it needs to cut. Uh, it, it, it offers hope. When, when Peter, this is, these are all the, again, why are we told so much about Peter in the Bible? There's a there's a goodness, there's a glory, there's a hope 
when God puts on display a sinful person, He says, I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to redeem them. I'm still going to use them. That says something to us. That says something to you. So when Jesus called Peter out, he goes, hey, follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher's of men. Him and his brother. And in that moment, think about this. In that moment, Jesus knows he's calling a man who's going to deny him repeatedly. That's crazy. He knows the, he knows the person he's calling. When I was told the first time that Jesus didn't just save my past sin, but my future sin, it was, it was another one of those mind-blowing moments. Like, what? And that, that applies. We like to think, I like to think that we get to a point in Christianity in which we need grace less. What a silly thing, right? What a silly thing. I, now I'm the farther I'm in this, the more I realize how much more grace I need. Every part of my life needs the grace of Jesus Christ. And when I read this story, when I read this narrative, I'm reminded of the fact that we have it in Jesus. That he doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't get bitter. He doesn't say, well, you know what, you, you turn your back on me, I'm done with you. He's not ticky-tacky like that. He is holy and good and loving. That's the God you have. So, um, We'll land this a bit. This is probably the shortest sermon of all time. The um, that was when I was talking to Daniel when I was praying last night. I've said a lot. Um, my hope, my hope for all people's church, is that we're not um, debilitated, debilitated by because the ongoing ugliness of our souls. Because unfortunately. When Jesus saves us, he also starts this regeneration process, this sanctification process, in which he starts scrubbing things clean. And that doesn't happen instantly. Okay? It happens. He's doing it. Whether you feel it or not, he's doing it. It doesn't happen instantly. And so, um, the encouragement today is, uh, there is no mess or sin or Unbelief that God can't, that Jesus is um, scared by or overpowered by. There's, there's, no, there's no sin that disqualifies the power of the cross. Right? That's, that's, Jesus bids to Peter. He goes to Peter and says, Are you, are you ready to roll? I'm ready to forgive you. The invitation is standing for you today. Whether you are, ne have you never believed in, believed in Jesus, or you've been believing for 60 years, the invitation to you today is trust in the Lord. Trust in the grace of Jesus Christ. He's offering it. He stands ready to save. And I um, want to be a church, want to be a person that does not, that does not, um, boast or put stock in my ability to stay, um, like to, to sustain myself. I'm bad at that. I'm really bad at that. Paul writes to the Galatians and says, why are you so foolish? You started with grace and now you're trying to keep the law and what are you doing? We've been given a better system. We've been given the spirit. It's, it's this kind of idea that 
what you start with is also, also what you continue with, Christian. What we started with, every single one of us who have been baptized and believed Jesus, what we started with was the fact that we are sinful and Jesus forgives us by his death on the cross. And however far you feel from that moment, the invitation stands just as near. Claim to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He will wash you white as snow. The Bible is littered. So I've been taught Peter. The Bible is littered with people who, who are just this tidal wave of, of messiness. I just go through. I, I was thinking of that. I was like, why are there so many stories of people who are so messed up? You know, just honestly, you could pick almost any name. You go to Noah and you go, well, he, you know, he was the one righteous guy in the boat. But then they land the boat at, and he passes out drunk. And just, you know, like, you, you pick David, who's a man after God's own heart, right? What does he do? He commits adultery and murders the lady's husband. All of these people are. are pictures to you and I of the mess. There's one person, there's one person in these pages who's different than that. And he says, I will give you my righteousness. Now, what you did yesterday, what you did ten years ago, what you'll do tomorrow, what you'll do fifteen years from now, my righteousness holds up every day of your life. So, you come in here tonight, we sing tonight, we leave tonight, and I wanted to remind us as a church of the amazing power of the gospel, not just for your initial salvation, but for every single day, even the heaven days, even the days in which you've gone too far, even the days in which you feel like God's done with you, even the days in which you feel like that sin that you've been fighting for so long is going to win. There's grace for you. There's incredible grace for you, Jesus Christ. I pray for you. God, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful that you have stories like Peter. I'm so grateful to know that I don't need to, um, and you don't just get me into the, into the, into the kingdom, and I need to keep everything together. God, I'm thankful that you're patient and kind, that you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I'm grateful, God, that, that um, even in our doubts, even in our unbelief, you pursue us. So I pray tonight, Father, that anybody uh, who is heavy, who's heavy and discouraged and despair, they would, they would taste and see the great glory and joy of being forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. What a savior you are. We praise you now. In your great name. Amen.